you will turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19, Luke 19, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 10. And he entered and was passing through Jericho, and behold, there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax tax gatherer, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, and he was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. And he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. When they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Well, good morning. Hope you'll keep your Bible open to Luke chapter 19. We will be in that text this morning as our main text as we think a little bit about Zacchaeus and some of the things that we can learn from him. It's good to be with you on this sunny day. If you're visiting, we're glad that you're here. Uh, We're happy for Chloe Nix and her family, new sister in Christ, baptized this past Wednesday evening. And it was also my privilege to attend the medical missions banquet last night. And if you had to miss that, you missed a great evening. says so much about about this church and its love for uh, evangelism, its love for each other, its love for working hard. Uh, I was told, obviously, I don't know who everybody is yet, but people were pointing out lots of folks from the community here last night, so that's wonderful. If you had to miss it, they can still use your check, they can still use your money, because all of that is being used to do good things. And so, if you had to miss that, I do hope you'll support uh, what's going on uh, with the Honduras Medical Mission. I don't know if you've ever been part of a big crowd where, for whatever reason, we gather maybe uh, out behind a venue, but, but we gather somewhere hoping to catch a glimpse of a celebrity. Now, why do we do that? It's not like we're going to meet the person. It's not like we're going to interact with them. But somehow there's just something about, I want to be able to say that I saw that person. When I read this text in Luke chapter 19, I'm reminded of my days in Atlanta Back in 1995, the Atlanta Braves had finally won a World Series, and uh, so the Victory Parade was going to come through downtown, and it was going to pass right by our building, and so I was going to attend the parade, but since it was coming right in front of our building, I didn't go down early, and so by the time I got down there, there were a lot of people, and I'm somewhat vertically challenged myself, and so by the time I got down to the street, people are about 10 deep, and I remember that day, it was a little hard to see what was going on on the street. But it kind of reminds me of this narrative with Zacchaeus. I noticed in the, song, uh, in, the, in the graphics, we even had a bald guy. Did you notice that? That was, uh, that was impressive. But Zacchaeus is this guy. We're, we're told that uh, he wants to see who Jesus is. We're not told a lot about why. 
But he wants to see, he wants to find out who is Jesus. And verse 2 of our text here in Luke chapter 19, it tells us that Zacchaeus, he is a tax collector. He's not just a tax collector by the people. See, he's a Jew, but he's a traitor. He's an outcast because as a Jew, what he's done is he's gone to work for the, for the government. He's gone to work for Rome. And the Jews, they paid their taxes to Rome, but they did that grudgingly. They didn't really want to do it. And so for a fellow Jew to go to work for the enemy, you're, you're a traitor. You're a sellout. We're told here that Zacchaeus, he's a chief tax collector, meaning he's over a number of other guys. And so he's taking a percentage of everything those guys also collect. All these things combine to make him what the Bible tells us there in verse 2 of our text. He's rich and he's hated. Tax collectors added personal fees to everything they collected. And not surprisingly, because uh, they had the ability to, many of them cheated. They would collect more than they ought to collect. And so these guys collected a lot of money, a lot of money that went directly to them. But verse 3 says Zacchaeus is trying to see who Jesus was. It's a great maneuver. He's doing the right thing. But why? Is it that wanting to see a celebrity sort of thing that we sometimes get involved in? Could it be that he's hoping that if I go out and I see Jesus and then maybe as he passes by, maybe I'll get to see him heal someone. Uh, maybe Jesus will stop along the way and do some teaching as he's passing through. Or could it be that Zacchaeus at some core level realizes that his life just isn't right. Most of us, we can identify with that tension in some way. We can think back to a time in our life where, uh, for whatever reason, we realize that the direction of our life, something going on in our life, there's something about my life right now that just isn't right. There's something I know that needs to change. Maybe that's where Zacchaeus is. Maybe that's why Zacchaeus realizes that it might be really good to go figure out who this Jesus is. But then something very... It's interesting. Verse 4, we're, we're told that Zacchaeus has to run on ahead. After all, he's a traitor. He's a tax collector. He is the guy when people see him, they're not going to make like the Red Sea in part just because he's short. They're not going to make it easy for him to get up to the street to see Jesus. And so he's got to figure it out on his own. And so he runs on ahead and he finds a tree and he climbs up and he's watching and he's waiting. And then the unexpected happens. And that often... See, anytime there's an encounter with Jesus in Scripture, one of the things that ought to happen when there's an encounter with Jesus is there ought to be a changed life. But another thing that you'll notice in Scripture is when Jesus is interacting with people, there's often something unexpected that happens. And so Zacchaeus, he's in his tree and he's looking down. And wouldn't you know it, as Jesus passes by, he stops, he looks up. And he calls Zacchaeus out by name. He calls him down by name. Zacchaeus, come down from there. I've got to come and be in your house today. Completely unexpected. 
But I want you to notice verse 6 of the text because verse 6, if you could take one verse and you could make one verse describe how every one of us ought to always respond to Jesus, verse 6 says, And he tarried and came down and received him gladly. It's not time for it yet, but I love the invitation song that Bradley has picked out today because it asks the question, why keep Jesus waiting? And how often is that our story? We, we realize my life, there's something amiss, there's something that's not right about my life, I've, there's something that ought to change, but for whatever reason, I'm going to keep Jesus waiting. I'm not going to respond right now. Verse 6, it's immediate. He hurries, he comes down, he receives Jesus gladly. And then wouldn't you know it, there's outrage in Jericho. The religious establishment, the, the good folks, the, they, they're grumbling. And one thing you'll notice about Scripture is anytime you see the word grumbling, anytime you see that going on, it's never a good thing. But that's what's going on. They, they don't understand. They, they like the fact that Jesus heals some folks. They like His miracles and all those sorts of things. But they do not like the people that Jesus chooses to hang out with. And so they're grumbling. But what we see here is a new generosity. Because as Jesus and Zacchaeus are beginning to walk away, the grumbling's going on. And so Zacchaeus, he stops and, and he's addressing Jesus. But what he's talking about, what he's saying is really for the benefit of all the naysayers because he stops and he says to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Again, I said it a minute ago, an encounter with Jesus should always result in a changed life, a life that wasn't, or it's not now like it was before. And so with Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus says, okay, this is how my life is going to change. My life as it was before is going to change in the way I deal with my work and in the way I deal with my money. First, he says, I'm going to give away half of my stuff to the poor. Could you live on half of what you have right now? Honestly, that question scares me a little bit, but it, but it helps bring to bear the, the, the weight of the change that this guy's making. He's saying, half of my stuff, I'm going to give it away. And then he goes on and, well, let's talk about that. Judaism considered it prudent or wise to give away up to 20% of one's possessions. To give away more wasn't considered prudent. And so Zacchaeus says, I'm going to give away half. And then Zacchaeus starts talking about restitution. If I have defrauded anybody, if I've taken advantage of folks, I'm going to restore fourfold. Well, Jewish law said that restitution was 20%. If there's an unintentional offense, sometimes uh, Luke chapter 5, or excuse me, Leviticus chapter 5, unintentional offense, it's a 20% restitution. But Zacchaeus, he assumes the more harsh penalty for uh, rustlers, those who were stealing livestock, uh, Exodus chapter 22, not a percentage they were to restore, but many times over. He says, for those I've defrauded, I'm going to give back four times as much. And then you've got to love verse 9. 
Because Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house because He too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This is, this is one of the themes in Luke, the idea of all who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, Jesus says, this guy, salvation's come to his house. He's not the guy you'd expect. He's the traitor. He's the cast out Jew. But guess what? He's changed his life. And today, salvation has come. Zacchaeus is the rich guy who makes it through the eye of the needle. And what a contrast Luke 19 is to the chapter before because we won't go back and read it now. You can go back on your own time and read it. But you remember in Luke chapter 18, the rich young ruler shows up and he begins asking Jesus questions and Jesus asks him about keeping commandments and the rich young ruler says, well, I've done that. And, and Jesus says, well, there's one other thing you need to do. You need to sell what you have and give to the poor. And in Luke 18... I think it's verse 23, the Bible says that that rich young ruler, he goes away sorrowful because he was very rich. One thing we need to always try to remember to do is when the Bible talks about somebody being rich, we need to snap to attention. And that's, that's counterintuitive because we don't like to regard ourselves as rich. I like to look around and, and the guy who's got a bigger house than I have or more stuff than I have, that's the guy who's rich. It's not me. That's how we like to think. But because of where we are and because of the way we've been blessed, what we ought to do when we're reading Scripture, anytime Jesus or anybody talks about the rich, instead of zoning, out. We ought to be zoning in. We ought to be snapping to attention. What does Jesus have to say about the rich? Because we are the richest of the rich. So that's the story of Zacchaeus. And it brings me to the question that I want us to think about for just a few minutes as we, think, as we finish up our time together this morning. And the question is, how do we today, in 2015, as we live our lives as Christians, how do we move from a more selfish mindset to a more selfless way of doing life? Because when you think about it, when I stumble, when I fall, when I mess up, when there are problems in my life, it's always tracing back to some selfishness on my part. And as Bradley has led our minds in singing today, the, the, the place that I want us to come to is to think in terms of love. And how when we start to love properly, that will allow us to be less selfish and to allow us to be more selfless. And Charles Stanley once said that living life without learning to properly love God and others is to miss the point of living. Let's think about loving the Lord. And you may be way ahead of me. You may be already thinking, well, we've read Luke 19, verses 1 through 10, and the word love is nowhere in that narrative. It's just not there. And I would agree with you, but I want us to think about what we're seeing and the change that Zacchaeus is making. You may remember Matthew chapter 22, and we're not going to spend some, a lot of time there because, Lord willing, in a few weeks I want to come back and look more closely at that passage. But Jesus is talking about the first and the great commandment, 
And he talks about the need for us to love the Lord God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind. And that's the lifelong challenge. I've got to try to move from where I am somewhere closer to all. But I want you to remember also that Jesus said something else about love. And this is an important question because we're, we're thinking in terms of, okay, where does love fit into the Zacchaeus story? It, it seems doubtful that Zacchaeus loves Jesus when he's just showing up. He's wanting to see who Jesus is. Doubtful that he loves Jesus at that point. He may still be skeptical. He may still have some doubts. He may still have some questions. Yet notice what happens after the encounter. You remember John chapter 14, a couple of times in that chapter, verse 15, and in verse 23, Jesus makes the statement, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll, you'll try to live your life in the way that I'm saying it ought to be lived. And isn't really that the change that we're seeing in Zacchaeus? The way I'm changing my life is, is I'm going to try to start things instead of doing it the world's way, instead of doing it the cheating way, the normal way. I'm going to begin to treat people. I'm going to begin to conduct business. I'm going to begin to do things God's way. That's love for God through action. But I also want to talk about the idea of learning to... Pro- Whoa. Hey, it may be time and I didn't know it. Well, we don't need the slide. It's okay. Learning to properly love self. See, I believe that Zacchaeus realized that while he had a lot of money, he really didn't have a life. Likely not being... It's likely not fun being despised and hated... It's likely that Zacchaeus is a very lonely man. And and see, loneliness is a very dangerous thing spiritually because when I'm lonely, that can lead lead me to some horrible decisions. But you think about the drudgery. You know, most of us have jobs. We may not look forward to going to work every day. But think about a job where every time you transact business with somebody, they're in a bad mood because they don't want to be there and they don't like what you do and they don't like what you stand for and they regard you as a traitor. Every transaction like that, that takes a toll on a person. I once said it's kind of like when we have to go to the DMV and then after I said that, a lady came to me and she said, I work at the DMV. And then I felt bad. But she said, you're kind of right. You know, a lot of times when we go stand in that line, having fun down there, it's hard to love yourself when you know you're taking advantage of people. It's hard to love yourself when you know you're not living the right way. And surely that has to play into the thinking of Zacchaeus at this point. As we self-examine, because that's what Scripture should always call us to do, as we self-examine in my most private moment, what troubles me most about the way I'm living my life right now? What is my greatest weakness? Is there some unbelief? Could there still be some doubts about, is this really worth pursuing? Do I sometimes feel hypocritical in in the way I live my life? I'm, I'm not as genuine as I'd like to be. When we're tempted to question, remember Jesus and His inner circle? The guys who were closest to Him, the guys who were most influenced by 
by Him, they didn't always believe. And they didn't always understand. But with the exception of Judas, guess what they did not do in the end? They never did fully walk away. They always came back. And that ought to encourage us. Sometimes maybe it's the way we... Sometimes our actions, maybe we're treating God bad. Sometimes maybe our actions, maybe we're treating others in the wrong sorts of way. But sometimes maybe we treat ourselves wrong through the way we sin. It may be the kind of private sin. Nobody knows about it but me. Nobody knows about it but you. And it's a sin that I seemingly cannot say no to. And in the moment afterward, I feel guilt and I feel shame and I feel all of those things. Temporary pleasure, but then all that grief. See, I believe Zacchaeus had to be fighting the battle of properly loving himself. And that's a battle that's got to be won if we're going to move from being selfish to a more selfless way of life. Uh, Understanding our value, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, the idea that, that God values us highly. Luke chapter 12, Jesus is talking about sparrows and the idea that not one of them falls without God knowing it. And then he talks about hairs on the head and that they're all numbered. And yes, God doesn't have to work as hard when He's numbered bring mine as maybe he does with yours but it's this idea that there's great value there because here's the thing when I really love me when I really love me I will want to be in heaven more than anything else eternity with Jesus forever more than I want any of those things that might provide some sort of temporary pleasure while I'm here but in the long term separate me from my God Zacchaeus had plenty of money but money is temporary and he's cheating people to obtain it see when I really love me I'll work and I'll conduct business with honesty and ethics and integrity. And when I really love me, I'll handle relationships God's way. I'll I'll treat people in relationship the right way. That includes my sexuality. Uh, We we tell our young people, the best wedding present as a young person you can give to your spouse is you for the very first time. Because that's how we live when we really love self. When I really love me, I'll understand that true joy is found in honoring my commitments to God to the very best of my ability, the vows that I make. And we've all seen it happen, and we've probably heard somebody say it. We can see the train wreck about to occur, and somebody in a selfish mindset makes the statement, I just deserve to be happy. Really? See, sin... Something God says is wrong should never make me happy. And so when I truly love me, I'm going to want God's way. My way of doing life becomes, it's not about me, it's now about Him. Finally, the idea, and very briefly, of learning to love others. That's the evidence of a changed life for Zacchaeus. Instead of taking advantage of folks, first, I'm going to help some poor people. I'm going to give away half. And if I've cheated anybody, I'm going to fix that up as well. I'm not going to do life. People will not see in me what they saw before. Because it's no longer about me. It's now about Him. It's about treating others the right way. And it's action, not words. We're about out of time. We won't go there and read it. But you remember Matthew 25. You remember the great judgment scene depicted there. And Jesus is commending those who are active in meeting the needs 
of others. Evangelism is an act of both obedience and love when we care enough to, to share the good news about salvation. I'll leave you this morning in Philippians chapter 2. I love verses 1 through 11 because Paul's writing there. He's trying to talk to those of us who are following Jesus about how to live and he calls us to selflessness. He calls us to unity. In verse 4 he says, Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And I think Paul, through inspiration, knew how hard that is. It's hard being human. It's hard to do that. So then he says, because it's hard, let me show you Jesus. This obedient Savior who wasn't thinking about Himself when He left heaven. He wasn't thinking about Himself when He went to the cross. And so He goes through all of this and then He paints the ending for us because He talks about that day in which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. In an honest moment, which way are you doing life today? Can you honestly say it's in a selfish way or is it in a selfless way? Or are there parts of your life that are pretty much you're, you're, you're living the right way, but I've got these areas of my life where I'm still very, very selfish. What does God need to change in my life today? Because if you don't like the answer about your life that you know is true, that's the next logical question. You know, what needs to change? What does Jesus need to change for me? And then the third question is, we're going to sing that and ask that out loud, why would I keep Jesus waiting if I know there's something that needs to be different? If I know there's something that needs to be better? If I know there's something that needs to be Yes, the change for Zacchaeus is pretty radical. But is there any change that's so radical that it's worth keeping me out of heaven? Because that's what it comes down to. It doesn't matter how radical of a change I need to make. If it helps me be right with God, I need to make that change. Most of us here are Christians. If as a Christian there's something amiss in your life and you want your family praying with you and for you today, let that be known. Let one of the shepherds here pray for you. As family, we throw arms around each other. We love each other. Maybe you're here tonight or today and you need to make that first step like Chloe did Wednesday night. Maybe you're ready to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. If you have a need today, while Bradley leads us, let that be known while we stand and while we sing.